We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Today's special guest will help us to set the stage for Pride Month. Every year during the month of June, the LGBTQIA2 community celebrates and is celebrated in many ways. Across the globe, various events are held during this special month as a way to recognize the influence that the LGBTQIA2 have around the world. June has been chosen because it's the month the Stonewall Riots took place in 1969. As generous leaders, we aim to celebrate the dignity, equal rights, self-affirmation, and awareness of the issues members of this community face in the workplace. Our very special guest today is H. Walker. His pronouns are he, him, his. What I appreciate most about you, H, are the strengths of your leadership traits, executive persuasion and influence, relationship currency, emotional and cultural intelligence, professional warmth, and love for people, like love for people, culture, and community. Welcome to ROGH. Thank you. It is wonderful to be here, and happy Pride to everyone. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to learn from you and connect. I, I'm so grateful for this new friendship that we have started. So can you help us know a little bit more about you, H? Provide us with some background, like where you grew up, a little, little something about your history. Yeah, I, I think the very first thing is what's on everyone's mind is his real name H. So let me answer that real quickly and say, yes, H is my real name. That is the birth name that my mother gave me. So it is H Walker. Um, I was born in San Antonio, Texas to a, uh, a beautiful, beautiful mother. And my father was uh, uh, in the Air Force and we traveled abroad uh, quite a bit. And um, that was in the early 60s. So it was a time of learning about what it meant continuously to be um, Negro um, and then to be Black and then to be African American as my identities progressed. And I will tell you, it was divine intervention that uh, brought me to where I am uh, today. Even though I left my Catholic roots behind, uh, I've always believed what we were when is who we are now and that we are the life sum of all of our lessons. There is nothing that we can cut off or divorce from ourselves. So even though I may not be a practicing Catholic, there's so much about my Catholic upbringing that makes me who I am today. And a big part of that is being very faithful. It is about taking care of myself mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, Shannon. So <laughs> yes, it's all rounded up. It's all rounded up into one. Um, and it was so interesting through my a life in um, in the food service industry. I took a break and started doing some some consulting for universal management concepts, uh, and then was recruited by a company I had never worked for growing up, which was McDonald's. And I worked for Brand McDonald's, which took me global. And it was one of the better gifts I have received in my life. Then, after twelve exceptional years um, that I miss daily. Uh, I had an opportunity to work for Boys and Girls Club of America. And till this day, it has been about 14 months, Shannon. It is the 
best decision I have made in my 59 years on this planet. And this is what I love about Boys and Girls Club of America and the mission that we serve, especially those who, who need us most, the black and brown children, youth, teens, LGBTQ+, those that are visibly and non-visibly uh, disabled, and especially trans youth who are having probably the most challenge right now in terms of having that agency. What can we do now to, to help to create agency for youth so they can create their own future? And what can we do to help them be the co-creators and the architects of their own future, much of which in my generation we did not experience growing up? Mm. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you, H, for that. And how can we enable agency in others and give people and mm-hmm. opportunities that we perhaps didn't have? Yeah, no, I appreciate that question because I was fearful of ever sharing with anyone that I was gay. I knew I was gay. I'm sorry. I knew that I was attracted to males when I was six, seven years old. I knew that there was something different. There was something different there. And so I think there is, a, a, you know, you know, for me, when I think about, about youth, about the next generation, um, I believe that we should still be cautious not to believe that they are not receiving life lessons in their household like I received or from their parents' or grandparents' beliefs, uh, and that there's a generation that is all giving and all free, and they don't think that way. That is just not true. We, sh- we should never label an entire generation. However, I do believe that they will be experiencing an opportunity because, because this generation is so vocal and has access the word is access, Shannon. They have access to the globe. I had access to a five-block area and a, and, a black, and a black and white TV that had three channels. So, but, but, they, but they have access to the world, and that access is teaching them what they can have, what they can do, what they can be right now, and where to find help and how to be empowered and how to understand that their identity and who they are or choose to be is the most powerful thing in the world. And they're making purchasing decisions. They're making university decisions. They are making relationship decisions. They are making future decisions. Even in terms of kids as young as nine and 10 who want to be members in the clubs, they're deciding what clubs they want to be members of, depending on the policies of those clubs. I believe there's a couple of uh, global phenomena that are happening around pronouns, which, which seems to be very inclusive of every human being. This is a phenomenon where, um, um, and, and I, I, I tease a little bit when someone talks about, uh, when someone straight talks about sexual orientation as if they don't have one. And I, I say, you know, you're heterosexual, you do have a sexual orientation, you know. And, 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 and we laugh a bit because it's a matter of privilege to actually not to have to think about it. So that's where I come into this. It's, it's how do we help individuals to feel comfortable about not just thinking about their identity, but calling it out, naming it, also being able to not just celebrate it, but actualize it in the manner of who they are, whether it's their, the way they choose to dress, talk, smile, work, walk, talk. And I so believe in being able to dismiss the hubris, the hyper-masculinity, the, 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 this idea and the agreements that so many people have passed down to little humans that because they have a specific gender that 
actually behaviors come with that and they do not. And that if you do not, if you do not show these behaviors, it is punitive. It is punitive. And then your life is predictable in terms of how you will be treated. When I learned and embraced my homosexuality, I learned one of the most beautiful things in the world is I learned what it means to behave like a human being and not like a gender. Oh my gosh, I'm blown away by this. So how is that embracing your identity impacting your relationships? How have you seen that transform the kinds of people that you attract into your life and the types of relationships that you engage in? Yeah, I, I, I think that our relationship currency, especially within the work environment, it, it increases and we're able to be more generous in terms of who we are. Now, this is going to seem a bit contradictory, but follow me here. A good friend of mine, Sonia Aranza, talks about believing in the sanity of selfishness. And she talks about when we believe in the sanity of selfishness, We understand what it means to love ourselves, keep ourselves happy, keep ourselves healthy. And when others see that level of confidence in you, they want to be around you. That becomes the most important part of the identity that I can feed off this individual. I'm inspired by them. I want to be able to achieve what they're achieving. They seem to naturally attract other people who want to be able to do great things and be great people and also and also understand that it takes community to do that. So although it, it, it may sound a bit contradictory that if I believe in the sanity of selfishness, how am I being generous? It actually fits very well together because I do want to stay healthy. I do want to make myself happy. I do want to look after myself spiritually, mentally, physically, And financially. (laughs) And I do believe that when my nephews and others see that, they want to be around me. They want to learn from me. And they're more generous with their identity. They're more generous about who they are and also about some of the cautions that they are taking in terms of being their whole selves or within the workplace, I would say their best selves. Oh, that's so brilliant. So for those of us who are leading organizations, leading teams, and we want to create an environment where people can celebrate their identity and people feel comfortable sharing their origin story and the depths of who they are. I mean, what are some of the things that you have found to be effective? So two things. One, we have to take care not to make assumptions or have biases that because someone is not celebrating me, that they are disparaging or not liking me. They just might not celebrate gay pride. They might not just celebrate Hanukkah. They might not just celebrate Easter. There's a lot of things I don't celebrate. I hope someone would not assume that because I did not celebrate them or I did not participate in their celebration, that it was some form of malice. So first, we have to make sure that we check that off. And if we think it is, be brave enough to ask. You know, I you know, I, I notice that you don't celebrate quite often. I would love to talk to you about that. I'd love to learn more. Or are there things that you celebrate that you would like to teach us about? Maybe you're not seeing you celebrated here within the work environment. And I would love to learn that. Um, You'll you'll notice I'm asking questions. Uh, uh, Dr. Ed Shine, in his recent series of books about humble inquiry, he talks about the skillful art of, uh, of asking instead of telling that continuously ask, ask, ask. So uh, when it comes to celebration, we should do it often. We should uh, catch people doing something right. If someone is not celebrating, we shouldn't assume that it is from malice or that it's negative. 
and that we should ask and invite people to to learn more about them and not wonder why they're not learning more about us. When we come back, each will continue and teach us about being a questioner instead of a judge. Hello, I'm Joe Panfield, President and CEO of the T. Howard Foundation. We fulfill our mission to increase diversity in the media industry by offering college students paid internships with major media companies. As a result of their internship experience, nearly 200 of our interns are hired every year in communications, marketing, and even on-air talent. For more information about our program, visit t-howard.org. And we're back with H. Walker, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Boys and Girls Clubs of America. So as our entree into Pride Month, I think that's a really helpful framework for those who may not already be celebrating Pride Month to recognize that that isn't malice or bad intentions or an exclusion of someone. It's something that they don't celebrate yet or maybe it's something they're, that they'll never celebrate, but they it doesn't mean that they're um, judging or excluding the members who are celebrating. Is that is that what you're saying, H? Yeah, most definitely. I, I, I think we get a little sensitive. I know I still do. I'll admit it. When I say good morning to someone and they don't say it back, I, I immediately, you know, the, the judge turns on versus the questions. You know, is this individual feeling well? Could they have had a bad evening? Could they be having a, a, a deep family problem? Could they just be in another world right now that I don't even know about? Instead of worrying about me not receiving back my good morning, maybe there's a question I can ask them later about how their day is going. So it's, it's, it's the same thing. Now, I am not Pollyanna. I am not going to sit here and tell you that there are not individuals that would, uh, um, if they had their way, that they would dial back this to the burning of the witch days. Um, I choose to confront that if I experience it, denounce it, and then not take the bait and celebrate who I am and who the people are around me. Um, I choose to make sure that I also impose myself into celebrations that I do not understand so that it is a mutually adaptive Right. It is mutually adaptive. And I think that also increases our relationship currency. People want to say your name when you're not in the room. People want to talk about what they've learned from you. People want to sponsor you and advise and have you as an advisor within their business. They want you on their team. They want you in that high stakes negotiations. They actually imagine you doing business at the highest level in terms of maintaining their status within the business environment and or growing their business. Yes. I think one of the core attributes of leading that way is curiosity. You talked about it before, asking the question, the wonder, and you talked about love. And for some people that may not be thinking of leadership as love, I, I would really appreciate you making that connection. Yeah. Um, probably before the last two years, this was more uh, applicable. Uh, however, if, if we work eight hours a day, that's a third of our life. And I've always squashed the idea that a third of my life did not identify me. This idea of I leave work at work, it, it, it has nothing to do with who I am. And I'm like, 
wow, that's eight hours a day. I, I hope it has something to do with who I am. And then I would start to think about, wow, there's eight to 10 hours a day that I'm with human beings, literally consciously awake that I am my own family. And how can I not fall in love with them? How can I not naturally have an affection and an admiration? How can I not adore them? How can I not feel for them? We are sentient beings. We feel, we feel, we are born dysfunctional. We are taught to say please and thank you and pardon me. And maybe some of us still don't get that as adults, but, but we, we, we're, we're, we're sentient beings. We, we cannot run from that. And so I think that the servant leader is, is more consciously in tuned with that sentience. And they understand how to utilize it in a way that is pure, in a way that is symbolic, in a way that is uh, that I believe this servant leader understands how to move from inclusion to belonging as well. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I think that really helps us to understand what that means and how we could lead in that way. And you believe in the human condition. You've brought up uh, like financial wellness in, in our conversation today. Talk to me about the profitability of inclusion, belonging, diversity, all of the these amazing things that we're talking about today. Sure, sure. So I'm going to date myself a little bit again, but I remember way back when Ken Blanchard came out with situational leadership and the one minute manager and who moved my G's and all of those books. And in every book and every video that Ken and his wife Margie Blanchard did, he would always say, um, people who feel valued do a good job and people who do a good job feel valued. This is not a difficult equation. And that value is where we need to take that word. The word value means worth. You're worth something to me, Shannon. When you say I feel valued by age, you're saying I, I have a great deal of worth at this organization. They see me and they see what I can do. I want to stay here. I'm recognized. I'm celebrated. I'm acknowledged. I'm rewarded. And I'm challenged. And I'm, and I'm trained. And I'm also able to actually add to the environment. And I, I need to underscore add to. I, I am a firm believer that fitting in is out. Adding to is in. Fitting in is out. Adding to is in. Adding to is in. If you if you are if you are in an interview and someone says, "Oh, and you'll learn to fit in around here," turn around and run, Shannon. Turn around and run. But but if they say, "Yeah," if they say, "We cannot wait for you to add to our culture, and we cannot wait to learn from you," that's where you want to be. This is what increases retention. And so I believe I believe selfless leaders. I believe leaders who ask a lot of questions. I believe leaders who practice humble inquiry. I believe leaders who practice um, adding to instead of uh, fitting in. I believe leaders who believe in sentience as a skill. I believe leaders who dismiss hubris. I believe leaders who allow us to celebrate who, who we are, but also allow those perhaps who just need a little time to, to be whomever they are to do that as well. They get they pan for gold. They pan for gold and they are patient and they pan for gold and they get that nugget and they hold it. Then they pan for more gold, Shannon, and they get that gold and they and, and they and they and they and they tuck it away. 
because any organization can duplicate anything from any other organization except what? They're people. So to be profitable, I need to hang on to you. Yes. Yes. Where where you tick, where can we plug you in? Where could we give you opportunity to grow, to shine, to try something, to fail, right? All of these things, I think it's, it's like a very thematic thread through what you're sharing with us today is like find ways to be yeah because it's still going to be tough and problems are going to be there and things are going to go badly because that's just life isn't life is messy but how can we be better when we're confronting those things yeah it's uh i i worked for one of the most prolific and selfless uh global chief diversity officers um patricia harris uh, 41 years at McDonald's, started off as a secretary and was McDonald Corporation's um, first uh, global chief diversity officer. And, and she told me, she said, H, we have to have the courage to be in the presence of discomfort that results from an inclusive environment. She said, those who do not have the courage will never experience inclusion. Never, because it is uncomfortable. But once we have that courage, once we feel and we live through that discomfort, what we discover is just amazing. And the other thing she said to me, which I thought was very profound, and it was difficult as a black man, it was very difficult for me to actually hear one of these words. But um, um, she was, she, um, she, um, she was African American. She is African American. And she said to me, she said, H., you know, in, in, in corporations, when we work, there's a time to lead, there's a time to team, and there's a time to obey. And there's nothing wrong with obedience. And she said, once you get over that hurdle, you will find out who you really are in this organization. She said, and we, we struggle with that. And I get it. I get it. Because African-Americans have, have lived a life of subordination without reward. We have lived a life of subordination without reward. So the thought of serving and being obedient doesn't always land well, but we need to understand the present realities of the day, and we need to learn how to own our, our translations of words. And, and being obedient can be a beautiful, a beautiful thing when you are obedient and follow your own, your own commitments in life, when you follow your own health regiment, when you, when you take vows to people that you make deep promises to, when you follow policies and guidelines, even when you obey the law, she said, it's not a bad word. And she just advised me, practice those three, practice those three in tandem, leading, teaming, and obeying. She goes, and tell me how it feels. And we've had many beautiful conversations about that as I still struggle with obedience. (laughs) So I feel like this freedom of expressing yourself, the framework might be the thing that we obey or the thing that we recognize and respect, but then how can we be ourselves? And then you also talked about the, the going out of business values. Like what are the values that you so subscribe to that it is a game changer? This is either happening or um, this is not a place for me. So how can we bring our full self, honor our values exercise that freedom that we have and also respect the framework, the structure that exists and try to be the change within that structure. 
I think that's that's the the really uh, awesome opportunity that all of us have to try to be the change within the situations that we're a part of. I, I, I think there's a level of 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 I, I think there are common uh, common um, virtues and principles that create our collective constitution, and by that I mean ways in which we approach what we want at work or how we want to be treated. And um, I, I, I think the, the, the way in which we approach change has to be, and it has to be systemic. And, and I, I think it's okay to make comparisons to how change occurs. I'll give you an example. Um, I was talking to a diversity practitioner. They said they took an idea to their CEO and this guy just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. You know, I went and I said, well, how many conversations did you have? Well, well, two so far. I said, and how long? They said, well, three months. And I said, so um, did you talk to any other departments about how their ideas on anything were received? And they said, well, no, not really. I said, well, talk to marketing about concepts that they share with the uh, senior leadership team. Talk to uh, product innovation. Talk to others and ask them, are their ideas purchased immediately? Do, do, does the CEO get on board right away with that new product and say, yeah, go for it? Or do they say, not getting it, go away, not working for me, come back with something else? And, and so there, there is this, I, I believe there is a wanting desire that because this is so personal and it's something that is so real for me that because you do not look like me, you do not share my identity, that you're never going to get it. And if you don't get it the first time, then why bother? Then why bother? And my message is we have to approach what we want in the same way that everyone else does, that, that there is nothing wrong with being formulaic in how we approach business. It is still a business. And, and I remember the first time we had a pride parade at, um, at McDonald's and our senior vice president, who, who was gay, Tim Anderson, still there, he would say, he would literally ask questions like, and how many Big Macs do we have to pay uh, to sell to pay for that float? And how many customers have to come through drive through to pay for that license? And he, he tied it to the business, tied it to the business. He said, if you tie it to the business, he said, take them the same business uh, proposal as anyone else needs to. Don't think because there is something uniquely special that someone else is going to see the same thing. They may say to you, equity means there's a process by which I make decisions I understand this is very tender. This is very precious in many ways. But for me to be able to, to take this on, here's how I need to see it. And that's when I go back, Shannon, to my lesson about mutual adaptation. Be willing to meet people halfway. What a beautiful way for us to go into Pride Month. Awareness of this, this yes and this this mm-hmm. collaboration and, the, you know, that inclusivity, that open-mindedness. Let's meet people where they are. Let's be curious mm-hmm. and and approach this through the lens of love. Brilliant. Oh, thank you, H, for being who you are. I so deeply appreciate you. You are more than welcome. It has been a pleasure. I am so happy to be here with you today. 
I think the world of you. I'm excited about the growth of your audience. I know you too are going to experience phenomenal success because of what you are giving all of us every time you cut this microphone on. And I'm going to be an avid listener and I'm going to send this to as many people as I possibly can so they can learn from all of your guests. Oh, thank you, H. Keep being the light. We need you. Yes, thank you so much. ROG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Here are seven ways to be from H's wisdom. Number one, be a sentient leader, one who feels, is perceptive and responsive. Number two, be additive to your current culture instead of figuring out how to fit in. Number three, be selfish. Embrace the sanity of selfishness, the generosity of self-care, self-compassion, self-acceptance. How can you feed and fuel yourself so you have more to feed and fuel others? Number four, be the questioner, the leader who approaches situations with humble inquiry instead of judging and evaluating. Number five, be mutually adaptive. How can you flex and flow with others by celebrating or learning about them? Number six, be business savvy. Approach diversity, equity, and inclusion work as a business initiative. Make a business case for change. Number seven, be human. You're not just a gender. You're not just any of your identities. You're a human being worthy of respect, dignity, and love. And so is everyone else. Join us next week with Kathleen Quigley. Until then, stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.